Thank you for pressing play on episode 134 of A-Sides. I'm Andy, and I'm excited to share this episode with you as I spoke with a guest who is on my own personal bucket list. I spoke with Mark Sasso, who's a graphic designer and illustrator for such artists as Ronnie James Dio and Rob Halford. He does amazing artwork, so it was so awesome to sit down and talk to him about not just his artwork, but his own favorite artists and musicians, and also work that he's done for superheroes and pro wrestlers as well. So it kind of checks all the boxes of my own personal interests. So it was so cool to talk to Mark Sasso, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Look, it's rock and roll! And cue music. I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm cool. And you're in New York? Yeah, I'm coming to you from New York, right outside New York City. Awesome. So you'll have to excuse me because I might fanboy a little bit. I draw and paint and stuff myself. And then, like, oh, right on. You mentioned about that. Yeah, like, I've really kind of got inspired by some of your artwork. I had a painting sitting out. Oh, sick. It's like the uh, the, the interior, the interior piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I got that. Like record came Ooh, out man. like 2020 or something. And I was looking at the artwork, you know, and the liner notes and everything. And I just like saw that image behind like the print, the lyrics and stuff. And I'm like, I want to try to recreate this somehow. Right on. So, yeah. It kind of sucks sometimes that, you know, you do like this, these, all these pieces of artwork and then I got to clutter them up with text. It kind of <laughs> sucks sometimes. <laughs> it's, but it's, you know, it's just far for the course. There's nothing I can do. You know, a lot of times when you do an artwork for booklets, you got to lay the lyrics on top of them. It kind of sucks. Well, you do some but, amazing oh, man. work, man. So, Oh, thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. That's pretty cool. That's, I mean, like you got some talent there. Did you, you didn't go to school for it, I'm assuming, but you probably just have it as a passion. Yeah. Like, well, I got in, like I dabbled in like graphic arts and stuff. Tried All to right. go to school for that. And I noticed that, yeah, like I thought you just predominantly did album covers, but I guess you, like you said, you do the layouts and stuff too for all the Dio yeah. and the Halford I like to do everything. I like to do the cover. Like a perfect gig for me is to design the cover and then do the entire package. I like doing everything because it's I, I I don't like to just draw and paint. I like to design and come up with concepts. And plus, it's fun. It's more interesting than just painting covers only. Sometimes they just hire me to do covers, but then other times, you know, I get to art direct jobs and design them. And and you know, if I want, I can hire guys to do some of the illustrations if I want to within the budget. But I rather just do it myself. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah, you're like really hands on. Yeah, I try to be. Yeah, and then then that's just one, you know. And then I do other stuff too. But like for the for the metal stuff, man, I, I'd like ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to do that. When I used to sit on my brother brother's bed and stare at album covers, I'm like, man, I want to do this one day. How do you do this? Yeah, because I guess that's what I was gonna ask. Like, like, did you grow up always loving like art and like doodling? Ever since I was a little kid, I don't ever remember a time where I wasn't drawing and then painting. Even when I was little, I was always making things. I used to, I just always loved art, and you know. I would always gravitate to the art section of the bookstores, you know, and just sit there and like go through all the art books. Like, well, and I mean, that's how I discovered Frazetta and all these other guys, you know, just like freaking out over that stuff. And my, I have an older brother and an older sister. They were, and my brother was like really into rock growing up, still is. And um, so I was always sit on his bed and look at like album covers. What's that? I forget the Ted Nugent album that has like shooting a shotgun guitar. Can't think of it offhand. But anyway, I had like a yeah. sick painting of Ted Nugent, you know, and I remember thinking like, Fuck, man, how do they do this? Can I curse? I don't even know if I can curse. Oh, yeah, life. man. You can say whatever you want. So. <laughs> and so I remember seeing when I was a kid, and like, I just, you know, I was like, how do you do this? Like, you know, this is a job. Somebody can do this. I want to do this one day. 
So it was always, always in the back of my mind, even in art school. Like I always like kind of wanted to somehow get into like music. I was always into metal ever since I was a kid. Yeah. And like, that's what's cool about metal, right? Cause it's like so art driven, like, especially, especially back in the day, like, you know, all the covers were all painted and it was like, it was like for a guy like me, it was like a dream come true to look at all that stuff. Really inspiring. Other than like the Ted Nugent, were there any any album covers that really stood out that like were your favorites? And growing up, so I loved I loved the uh, Ken Kelly Kiss covers. Love Gun and Destroyer was great. And then when Maiden came along, my head exploded. You know, seeing the first <laughs> record was like fucking unbelievable. I, I I remember like I, just thinking like I don't know what this how this band is, but they got to be awesome because this, this cover is fucking unbelievable. The, the DL one was great. I remember I remember buying the I remember buying Holy Diver the day it came out. Just like the cover was so cool, it was just so badass. Those those are the ones that really stand out. I'm trying to think of the other bands that I grew up loving that had like really cool painted album covers. Those were I, I was I didn't love I love Judas Priest. They're one of my favorite bands, but I never really loved their album covers. It was they, they you know they sort of get eclectic and um. But I did love Maiden. I loved I loved all the stuff that Dio was doing. Dio always had great. Oh my god, a Motorhead. Patagno used to do the sickest Motorhead covers. I loved all those. I, like you know, it's cool because. I think at the end of the day, a lot of guys get into music because they see the album cover. So, you know, if it's a band that you don't really know, you'll be like, oh, this cover's sick. I got These guys got to be good. <laughs> and he'll try it, you know? I mean, I've, yeah. I discovered bands that way. I remember, like, being turned on to bands. I'm trying to think now, like, I would see, like, a great album cover, and then I should go through my collection and see which ones I had and just be like, oh, man, this looks sick. These guys got to be good. And sometimes they turn out to be great. And sometimes they didn't, but sometimes they turn out to be great. I remember, like, even Fistful of Metal by Anthrax. Like it, it's not like the greatest painting in the world, yeah. but it was just killer. The guy's fist coming through the mouth. I remember, like, you know, stuff like that. So badass. I know what you mean with the Judas Priest, but then I think I saw something on your website. Didn't you, like, you did an image of that Defenders of the Faith thing for, like, a T-shirt. So I worked for Rob for, like, six or seven years. Um, I was his art, his creative director when he owned Metal Guide Entertainment. So I have a relationship with Rob, and when I, I guess it was off, I guess it was the last record, um, Firepower, I had I had asked them, I said, hey, did you guys get somebody to do the cover yet? I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring, and they'd already found somebody. And I say, hey, listen, I have this idea for T-shirts, like instead of just doing regular concert shirts, you guys would be interested in doing, because I designed, he had a T-shirt line when he had, I don't know if you remember, it was like Metal Got Apparel. I designed all shirts. We were like doing that together. So I said, hey, do you want to do something like that, like more upscale shirts that you can sell at concerts for maybe a little more money, like, you know, something that's like maybe has like dye treatments. So they were like, come up with some stuff and let's see what you come up with. And I did. I presented. It wasn't it was that one and maybe three or four others. I put them all together. Ultimately, in the end, it didn't come to. So we just decided to just not do anything. But that's but I put them on my I put them on my Instagram and on my website. So they're there today. But that's if if you're ever wondering how I would handle a pre-shirt, that's how I would handle a pre-shirt. It was pretty sick. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Like I said, you just got awesome stuff on there, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. So what was what was your first album though that you bought back then? Like, do you remember? You said you bought the Dio one. Probably Kiss. Probably Kiss back in the day. Kiss Alive, maybe. And then and then I was big Rainbow guy. I loved Rainbow, Thin Lizzy. Um, oh God, all that stuff. And I was a huge to this day. Priest and Metallica are my two favorite bands. I was like a big Priest guy. Uh, I mean, I have to say, like when Metallica came along, that changed everything for me and my buddies. Like I grew up with a bunch of guys that were all metalheads. Um, all my friends that I grew up with were all big metal guys. And um, we were all into like, you know, all the early stuff, the Thin Lizzy, the Kiss, Judas Priest, Triumph, Love Triumph, um, Scorps, all those guys, uh, Iron Maiden, of course. And then, uh, but I, I remember, I also remember always saying like, um, why can't every song be like riding on the wind or screaming for vengeance? Like, when, like why can't these bands just put out an entire record that just like rips? And then like I, we, we would get here in New York, we had this thing called the Aquarian uh, Weekly, I think it was, or monthly. The record store was like a giveaway, like some kind of like a rag that they would give away. And it would be like tons of metal stuff in it. And they kept talking about this band from L.A. called Metallica. And I was saying to my friends, I'm like, this band's got the coolest name. They have to be great. Like they have to be good. And we can't. And then one of the back on one of them, you were able to send ten dollars to Lars, I think it was, and get the demo, No Life to Leather. So me and my buddy Rob pitched in. We got it. And I just remember, I remember the day that it came, he called me. I was just getting home from school. I was in high school, dude. That's how long ago. <laughs> I was just getting home from school and my phone rang and Rob was like, I got it. And I just said, don't play it. I'll be right over. And I jumped in my car. I went to his house. Wow! And that was like, it was, it was like life changing hearing that. Because for the first time, a band like made like a record or a demo that was just ripping from top to bottom. 
And I mean, all my buddies fell in love with Metallica, and I've been a massive fan ever since. Like my favorite band. You probably saw some awesome shows in the New York area then too, right? Yeah, we actually, you know, lucky for us, Metallica was here for like a couple of years in the New York area, so we got we used to see them play bars all around my area. Because like I said, I'm just a little north of New York City, so they used to play a lot of the small clubs and bars and venues in this area. And really, out of like my high school, like nobody was into that kind of shit. They thought we were like crazy for listening to that. <laughs> And so, but we would, we would follow them around like rabid animals. We just, and it was like, it was like getting high, man. Like we'd go to these shows and it was fucking chaos. People were just going ballistic because it, it just, it just, it would make the hair on your arm stand up. The shit was amazing. And so like, like a drug, we would follow them everywhere. We would go to all the different shows in the area. So yeah, I mean, I feel really fortunate that I got to see them like from like five feet away. I mean, there were shows I was at, there was only like maybe 56, one, one show we were at, there was 28 people, I think, up mm. in Middletown in the middle of a snowstorm. It was like me and my buddies and like 28 people. And then, you know, other people started filling in. But in the beginning, there was like nobody there. It's sick. Can you imagine? And now they're selling out SoFi Stadium or whatever in, in L.A. Yeah, really? <laughs> it's crazy. How did it start for you? Did you go to art school? Yeah, I went to uh, art school here in New York City um, for four years. And then when I but and I minored in film kind of I was like I, my, a big passion of mine was like to work in the film industry, doing production paintings or visual effects stuff yeah. like that i sort of tried to minor in film i would take film classes at nyu and stuff after after at night um i went to school on 27th street at fit and you know, i would walk across town take some film classes and when i first my one of my first days getting out i was designer for um a visual effects company here in new york city at the time called r greenberg associates so i started there i started designing visual effects and title design treatments and sequences and then i moved out to la the owner of that company split off, started another company in LA, invited me to come out and be like um, a, like their assistant art director. And that's how I moved to LA for like 10 years. My wife came out and I worked there for a while. And then I kind of just event, they, they disbanded. They went out of bid. The two partners were fighting all the time. So they disbanded. And then I kind of went out on my own and just started freelance. And I was still doing film stuff. But um, I started doing comic book work. At that time, at that time, I don't know if you could still do this. I guess you can. At that time, you could pack up your art and go down to like the San Diego Comic Book Convention. Yeah. I'm sure you're very, I don't remember exactly what year it was. It was like in the early, maybe 93, something like that. I remember I just packed up a bunch of samples. I spent like a couple of months after work just doing like sample art of comic book characters. And then I put them all in a portfolio. And when I went down there and you used to be able to like, they used to have, would have a time. You could just get online. And wait for like want the editors to look at your work. I don't know if they still do that or not. It was wicked. And so like me and like twenty guys are just standing. I was one of my best friends was with me too. And we're just standing there. And I went up and I, I think I think it was Ralph Macchio who's who I you know, I took my portfolio out. And I, I remember he was just sort of like he opened it and for like the other guys, a lot of some of the guys he would just like look and look and be like, Yeah, and then, and then like he opened it, started and then I remember he looked up from his glasses and in my mind I was like, Oh shit, this might be a good sign. And then he just said, Hey man, you have a card or anything? He goes, I'm gonna call you. And I, I, I was just like, really? I mean, don't you want to think? He goes, no, nah, I'm going to call you. We're doing these cards. And that's how I first started doing like professional freelance illustration. That was like a Saturday. And then the following week, he called me and they hired me to do some trading cards, X-Men trading cards or whatever it was. And then I did those for a while. I was still working in the film industry and I did those for a while. And it wasn't until I moved home that I broke, moved back to New York that I broke into like the whole time I was there, I was trying to get like um, work doing music. In L.A., which is crazy, but I, I, you know, I was just having a hard time. Like, I, I it's not like now, you know, it, things didn't exist like they do now with the internet. Reaching out to people is much tougher. You would send like envelopes with samples, and like, it was weird. You know what I mean, it's so much better now. And um, it wasn't until I moved home that I actually the first album cover I did was was Dio killing the dragon. One of my friends, my friend Phil Chulo, he's um he's best friends with Zach Wild, um still to this day. And Zach was um playing with Ozzy. And they invited me up here in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, I went up to the show and he said, he said to me on the phone, when you come up, bring your portfolio. And I'm like, nah, dude, I'm not going to like, come on, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm just going to come up and hang out. I don't want to be a dick and like take my work out. He goes, no, I want Zach to see your work, bring it. So I brought it and we were on Zach's bus and he's looking through my portfolio and there's some guy sitting next to Zach. I didn't know who it was. It happened to be the president of Ronnie's label. His name was Dennis Clapp, I think. And at the time, Ronnie was on Spitfire. And he just turned to me and he goes, dude, like, do you have a card? He goes, because like, Ronnie and Wendy are looking for a cover artist. I didn't even know who he meant at first, right? Cause I, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Ronnie, he goes, Dio. Because, you know, everybody usually calls him Ronnie James Dio. It's like, but people that know him will call him Ronnie, right? And so I was like, wait, what? And he goes, yeah, they're looking for a cover artist. I would like them to look at your artwork. And I was like, holy shit. 
And so like, you know, I gave him my card and again, I really didn't think like my buddy was, dude, you think he's really going to like, and I'm like, he's not going to fucking call me. I'm like, cause we're on the bus. He's just being nice. But like, uh, literally like two days later, he called me and he said, Hey, I spoke to Ronnie and Wendy. They love your work. They, Ronnie wants to talk to you. And I was like, he wants to talk to, he's going to talk to me. And he goes, yeah, can you be around on Monday at like three o'clock your time? He's going to call you. And, and this was like a Thursday, I think. And I was like freaking out. I'm like, he's going to like play in my house. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And and that's and that's exactly and it literally I swear to God on that Monday afternoon at three oh one the phone rang, and I pick up I go and I just hear like uh, hello Mark this is Ronnie Dio, <laughs> I mean I was like freaking out I was because you know growing up him and Halford were my two favorite singers of all time. posters of D on my wall. I waited in the freezing cold at the Mid Hudson Civic Center up north in Poughkeepsie to meet him after like uh, the Holy Diver game with Y and T. You know, it was I have I still I have it on my wall. I have the the stub that he signed me from back in like eighty four. So it was it was trippy dude for me to like, you know, it was really trippy. And I didn't have the gig right away. He sorta of, he was cool about it and he said, um he said, listen, you know, let me see what you come up with. You know, like, you know, I can't promise that you're gonna get the job, but let's see what you come up with. Come up with some designs. If I like them then we'll hire you. So, of course, like, you know, in my head, I'm like, man, I got to knock this out of the park. And I just, like, cleared my schedule and went to work. I think by the middle of the following week, you know, I was able to present designs. And then, um, and then he, you know, he called me. Or he just called, he would just pick up the phone and call me. It was crazy. And he just, <laughs> man, I want you to do this. And, oh, it was sick. It was great. I, I will remember, I do remember, though, we were on the phone for a little over an hour. And when he got done, when he got done, he goes, Jesus Christ, I feel like I just did an interview. He said to me, because every day I was like, listen, man, let me ask you a question. Like, you know, because I was so excited to talk to him. I had a million questions since I was a little kid. You know, I was like, hey, you know that one gig? Like, I was just constantly going on and on and on. And I think, like, I think he was just kind of like punch drum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was exciting, you know. <laughs> did that Killing the Dragon cover, did that come to you, like, right away? Or is that something that you had to go back and forth? I think a lot of this probably happens to a lot of artists. As he was telling me what it was about... He said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'll just tell you what the song's about. And like, you know, I would like to have like a dragon on the cover. I don't know what it's doing, but here's what the song's about. And he was telling me what the song Killing Dragon was about. And I swear the first image I had was the dragon, like, you know, like being pinned down like Gulliver's Travels and just like defiantly and the fire coming out. But like, it's messed up because, uh, you know, I was so used to doing like book cover formats at the time. Like I said, this was my first album cover. So I never really did anything in a square. Everything was like a rectangle, like book covers, comic book covers. And so in my mind, I saw the neck like stretched way out and like screaming. But when I went to sit down and design it, I'm like, holy shit, how am I going to fit this in a square without making it really, really small? Like every time I would stretch the head out, it was getting too close to the edge and then the fire would get cropped off and I would have to make it smaller. But I wanted it big, you know, and that's why I curled it back and then brought it back this way. And I never really, even to this day, like when I see it, I'm like, it would have been so much cooler if I could have just like stretched it out. Time to be And so I did that one and I did a bunch of others. And funny, funny, I actually pitched him. I said, hey, Ron, I said, Ronnie, could we bring like Murray back? Because at the time they hadn't used Murray for years. Yeah. And I said, can we bring Murray back? Like I keep seeing this image too of like him leaning on like a dead dragon, like on a sword, like lean, like he just murdered this gigantic dragon. Because, you know, Murray's big, right? You see him towering over the over the uh, mountains and stuff. And he's like, no, 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 I don't want to use Murray. I don't want to use Murray. It, it dates me. Like I'd stay away from that. And I kept going back. And he's like, listen, I don't want to use like, 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 I'm already doing with this fucking leaning on a dragon thing. And so that's why, like, we redid Killing the Dragon, Wendy and I, a couple of years ago for the um, for the box sets and stuff. And I pitched it. I just pitched that idea. And they were like, oh, yeah, we like it. Do that. And so I finally got to do it. You know, I hope he's not pissed in heaven. But, you know, I, I really wanted to do it. I just thought it would be a cool cover. And yeah. I pitched it to Wendy. And she was like, no, yeah, let's do that. It sounds really good. So I actually did get I finally got to paint it. But, yeah, that was an idea from, like, 20 years ago. It's kind of weird, right? Oh, damn. Yeah, I was even thinking, though, too, when I first kind of came across all your covers, um, everything does have Murray on it, but you keep going almost like bigger and bigger. Wendy likes Murray. Wendy likes to use him. Yeah. It's not even, you know, we sort of, I'm sort of told, like, you know, like, yeah, let's use Murray. And, you know, I do all the art for her um, cancer fund thing. And I, I love I love doing that for her. You know, I donate my time to her for that, whatever she needs. You know, even like I just wrote it the other day, hey, if you need anything for the bowling thing coming up, just let me know. And but it's always Murray. And I think and I'm I'm fine with that, man. I think the fans dig it. You know what I mean? Like I, I'll do whatever she wants, but 
I think the fans always really want, they like, I think they like the mascot thing. I don't know if I do them justice. I mean, I, you know, I do, I just, I try and make them look mean. That's my thing. Like I never really, in the first album, he has like a cat's nose almost. It looks a little, I try and give him like more fangs and make him look cool. I don't know if they like it or not. I hope they do. Um, but that's, we, that's why we use him so much. Wendy actually really likes him every, so it's kind of cool. It is kind of a thing, like, I noticed, like, well, all the bands that we mentioned, like Iron Maiden or even Megadeth, they all had mascots back then, so it just makes sense to make that the mascot. That was a big thing back then, right? For Megadeth, and a lot of bands, you know, Iron Maiden really started that. I mean, let's be realistic. And so, in a lot of bands, you don't see it as much now. I think Disturbed, right? Disturbed has a guy, yeah. right? They have, I don't know what he's called or whatever. They have a mascot, and um, maybe a few bands here and there. You don't see it as much as you used to back in the day. Yeah, it's 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 kind of cool. So yeah, I do. I it, um um I do try and do a lot of Murray stuff. You know, I'll do whatever Wendy asks, but we do do a lot of Murray stuff. I think that's cool too. How it worked, like I guess it worked for you, like networking. You just made connections, and then it led to Dio and everything else for you. It was all about being in the right place at the right time. It was totally about being in the right place at the right time. Even with Alfred, it was like it was sort of. I became friends. Do you know who Roy Z is? He's like a producer, a guitar player. He used to play guitar for Rob Halford's solo band. Yeah, I think uh, he produced like the what was it their album too when they came back. Yeah, and Alfred, he does all he does all Dickinson. He produces and writes the music for Dickinson solo stuff. All the new Chemical Wedding, all those Accident of Birth. So Roy and I became friendly, and he was playing guitar in Rob's band. And he had said to me, hey, listen, we're coming to New York. I'm like, yeah, I know. I got tickets already. He goes, oh, okay, great. He goes, after the show, text me and I'll introduce you to Rob. He said, you know, they're looking for somebody. They're, I can't get into what is going on, but they're looking for somebody to do art. I was like, holy shit, Roy, wow, thanks. And that's and that's how it went down. And then after the, they played here in New York, I think it was like maybe old. Yeah, 03, maybe I have it on my wall somewhere. I think it was like 03. And then I met him after the show and he introduced me to Rob and his business partner. And they were like, you know, we're looking for an artist. We're going to start something. I don't really want to get into it now. But like, you know, can you come to the hotel for a meeting, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And that's and that's how I got that gig. But it was just from him. And I had my portfolio and I showed them. They were like, all right, yeah, you're somebody we want to talk to. And the, and again, it was like, we'll call you. And I, and my, I was with one of my best friends. And, he, and I, was, I said, I got to fucking call. You know what I mean? I'm like, and and they did. And they called me. And then I was with him for like six or seven years. I was doing art for Rob. And I was like a full-time gig, man. I was, we did tons and tons of stuff that nobody will ever see. We were pitching shows and all sorts of stuff, animations. And behind the scenes, we were doing tons and tons of stuff. The t-shirt was like one of the last things. The t-shirt line was like one of the last things we did. But we were, we remastered everything, put everything out. And then we had other stuff cooking all the time too. But he wound up going back into Judas Priest, which is great for everybody. And um, then it all came to an end. Or is that when you started Eternal Edge, like your own? Sort of like around that time, I needed. Um, it was I, a matter of fact. It was it was Rob's business partner said you need to get you need to get like a, at least a DBA. He goes, you need to get. A, he told me, you know, he was the guy was he was very smart and he taught me a lot about business working with those guys. And that was one of the things. It was actually his suggestion. He was, you really need to start doing. And I, and, and I said okay. And then I just wanted a name that sounded like a metal band. So I just came up with that. When one of my best friends, we were sitting around talking one day, and we kind of came up with it. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fine. And so that's how I, that's how I wound up with that. But yeah, yeah, that was all around that same time. That was all around that same time. Oh, cool. I was kind of wondering. I like draw and paint and all that stuff in my free time. Like, like all these album covers that you've done, um, do they start as like a sketch, or are you doing it strictly on the computer, or do you like start with pen? Yeah, um, it depends. Some cool. some just grab a pen and I start drawing. Sometimes while I'm on the phone, like if somebody's talking to me on the phone and trying to tell them, they're sort of telling me their ideas. Instead of taking notes, I'm starting to doodle, like doodle stuff out, like blocking things in in squares. And then um, other times I'll just, I, you know, I have like a giant tablet that I draw and paint on for my digital stuff. And I'll just like grab my pen and I'll start sketching. Everything starts with a sketch. It always mm -hmm. does. I'll just there and do sketches and start blocking things in and composition and whatever. And then, um, and then eventually I wind up presenting, I, you know, I try to present at least three or more ideas to, for everybody that I work with. And they're welcome to pick one or combine stuff. Or, you know, if there's nothing that they like, we'll come up with something else. But usually within those the sketches, we usually find something that you know, everybody's happy with. Or sometimes bands just come to me and they're like, this is what I want. And and I'm like, okay. And then I'll say, all right, well, you know, I'll come up with some stuff for my, but then, well, we can, but, you know, this is really what we want. And I, in my mind, I'm sort of like, should I waste my time doing other sketches? Because I can tell these guys this is really what they want. A lot of guys want, it's funny, a lot of guys want like post-apocalyptic I want a background with buildings and like it was like after like a nuclear explosion. <laughs> I hear that all the time. It's very funny. So yeah, but everything starts with the sketch. And then I present black and white sketches that have some like black and white tone underneath. I think they, they might be on my website or something somewhere the way I do them. And then um, once that gets approved, then I paint it. And I paint everything digitally. 
only because I, I paint traditionally too, but not, not for published stuff because it's just, there's always revisions. There's just too much things need to be tweaked and changed and flipped and flopped. And so it's just like, it's just easy to paint it all digitally. Um, I haven't, I, you know, I, I totally get guys that still work traditionally. It's awesome. I mean, I, if you, if you can do it and, and that's awesome for me, man, there's always revisions, always stuff changing. So I just find it easier to do it digitally. Are there any bands or any bands that you haven't worked with yet that you still want to? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, of, of course, Metallica and of course Iron Maiden. Definitely. Yeah. I would love to do, I would love to design some gig posters or something for Metallica yeah. and I would love anything for me. Same thing, gig posters or something, you know, hopefully one day we'll see. You know, it's funny. I never really call in any favors, like, you know, because I'm close with Wendy, she knows all these guys. I could, I, you know, I'm sure I could ask her, but I don't like to call in favors or ask, I don't like to put her in that position. But um, maybe, you know, maybe at some point something will happen. I hope, you know what I mean? I've, I haven't, I, I have to be honest, I haven't like really like reached out to them and tried. It's not like I reached out to their management or anything. So yeah. it's partly too. But yeah, those are bands that I would definitely love. Because I write at my, Metallica is like near and dear to me. And then Iron Maiden is like right in my wheelhouse. Like, <laughs> like the date and draw stuff would be so much fun. So yeah, those, those two definitely. I, I mean, thought you did do like a Metallica thing. Or I, I mean, thought I, I saw it on Instagram. You had like a 40th. Uh, thing for kill them all oh, it was like a death dealer from like you know for zeta's death dealer was like um just something that i made just for like that i, I had been doodling and painting it you know in the, in the last couple of weeks which is something i was working on privately just to you know just to pass the time and then i was like oh man i should turn this into like a thing for kill them all like this is the four like, I, i'm bad about stuff like that like dates and everything and i saw something not somewhere and, I, and maybe instagram that this was the 40th anniversary so, shit i should you you know and so i just used it as like a little something to put on there you know what i mean something cool Oh, so you just did that on your own in your own free time? Yeah, it wasn't for them. It was just like something like I don't do, I don't really do that too often. Just post stuff that I just make. But I thought it would be fun. You know what I mean? And like, you know, they're one of my favorite bands. So I'd be like, just like, you know, I'm going to put this up just for the hell of it. Let's see what happens. You know what I mean? See my friends think or whatever guys that I grew up with, you know, and get a kick out of it. saw something else you did recently on your instagram the motley crew thing and you kind of had a little story about how you kept adding more and more blood on yeah yeah that just got announced like two weeks ago or something uh i had worked on that a while back and you know it's funny because you can't talk about anything until until it gets announced like that one and even um the the do studio years it just got announced but the, was, they're both for bmg jeff christian over bmg had contacted me and he was just like hey we got this motley crew box set coming out for the 40th anniversary of shout and you know would you be into doing some lithos and I, yeah, I was like, yeah, absolutely. That'd be sick. I never worked for Molly Crew. I'd love to do some stuff. And so um, he's like, all right, like, you know, here, just come up with things. You know what I mean? Let's see what you come up with. And I, I did like a ton of like illustration, like different designs, like more like, you know, painted type artwork, like more my type of stuff. But I, some one of the ones, one of the designs I did, I sort of, I said, you know, I should probably like do something with the pentagram from the original cover just to see. So I'm not like completely like off base. And that that's the one that they keyed in on. And then they were like, hey, can you make that out of blood? And like, you know, I was like, OK, it was it was cool to do. Um, I'm going to post a video on how I did it because I actually painted it with stage blood. And I made like a little time lapse video of when I was doing it. So I'm going to post it on Instagram, but on Instagram. But like, you know, I, I like I, I would have rather have done like a cool illustration. You know what I mean? That's really my bread and butter. Yeah. This I felt like, you know, it, it's a cool image. It, it's a cool image. But it's like, you know, it's I don't know. I feel like there's like a million other guys that could have done that. You know what I mean? But I'm 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 glad that they liked it. And yes, and, and that was one of the things I kept saying: more blood, more blood. <laughs> My first did it didn't have a lot of blood, and I was shocked because you know a lot of times the labels are a little conservative. Um, but they were like, no man, make, make it even bloodier. And then no, no, even bloodier than that. I think it went through like three revisions of adding more blood. I was like kind of like splattering, and then finally it's the one that you said. I mean, it looks like a mess. It's a, literally a bloody mess. But that's the one that they like, and so that's it. It's in the it's in the box set. Um, I'm anxious to see how it reproduced, so we'll see. And then I made a black one and I made a red one for them. But yeah, that's coming out. And then we have the Do Studio Years coming out. The other box that was just announced like two weeks ago. Also, that should be really nice. It's a nice pet, which you can't. What you don't see in the adverts or like on in, on the socials is that it's all going to be gold foiled. So that whole illustration that I designed for the cover, it's all it's all gold stamped. It looks really really nice. I haven't actually seen the thing, but they sent me pictures like from their cell phone of the actual product and it looks pretty sick it looks beautiful and the whole back all the type that i said is all gold stamped gold foil it looks really nice 
So it's going to be a very, very classy. And that was the, that's why I didn't want to paint that cover. I said, like, you know, we should do something classy, like black and silver, black and gold, just like a nice iconic. We had a really nice photo of them that I was able to uh, use with some graphics and, you know, just something different. Like, that was, there's something that doesn't have Murray on it. It actually looks it looks nice. It's nice and classy. It's in a nice black box. It's, it should be pretty sick. The CDs will be nice, too. But, I mean, the vinyls are like, you know, you, you love vinyls because everything's so big. I'm even thinking about getting it, even though I already got the four that came out in like 2020. These are those collected, right? Is there any new art from you other than uh, the Dio? Is there anything on the inside? I'm trying to remember now. I did another one. I did another one right after it that hasn't been announced yet, so I can't say anything. But it's just uh, I did I did extra art for that one. No, I don't think there's any extra. I, there's nothing new. Like I made new sleeves for the vinyls, but I used like the the covers from the from the remasters, and and I made them like black and white and nice and like gold trim. Do any actual new artwork? There was really nowhere to do it. Do you know what I mean? Because they want they wanted oh, okay. to keep. The albums had to be the same, the, the basically that were released, but now they're collected. So I couldn't change any of that. That had to stay because I had already changed it like, you know, the year or two before that. So we basically took those, collected it, and they just needed some nice, like a nice box for it. So, yeah, no, there isn't there isn't anything else in there. I guess you've been pretty busy with that already anyways, because all the live ones that came out, the Donington, and then there's like picture discs. I think we started all those in like 2018. It's been like nonstop. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, I remember thinking when Ronnie passed, I was like, wow, I guess that's it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's never going to be anything new now. And like, it's so sad. Like, you know, there won't be any new releases, any new music. There'll be nothing like and I never you know, I never really thought about it. But Wendy really re has really done a great job of like he getting his legacy alive. I, it's you know, I get I get bummed out when I read like comments and people saying shitty stuff about it. It really sucks because she's so, if you knew her, she's such an awesome, awesome person. She's so sweet and she's so good natured and good hearted. And all this stuff for the cancer fundraiser, so much money, and it all comes from a good place. And, um, you know, she's just trying to keep his legacy alive. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, as a fan, like, we want his, you know, we want him to stay around too. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want him to disappear. It sucks. So, you know, if, if, as long as there's things to do or things to come out, and I don't care if I do them or not. I mean, she can hire somebody tomorrow. That's her, you know, that's her totally her prerogative. She can do whatever she wants. I'm just happy that, you know, people are still discovering DL and maybe younger generations will walk into like a Newberry uh, Comics or some record store and be like, oh, this is like a cool cover. Who's this guy? And then discover how awesome he is and then maybe become a fan. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, there's other bands, some, there's a lot of bands that stopped putting out, like, you know, I think Van Halen's just putting out the Sammy Hagar stuff for the first time in a long time now. And a lot of bands, yeah. you know, they there's like this lapse, you know? So at least, at least the stuff's out and people can still discover it. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, the, the maybe the Ripper years for the, for the pre stuff hasn't been out. And, you know, there's all this stuff. So, like, it's good that the, the Dio stuff is still out there and hopefully people will rediscover it, you know, and he'll keep his name alive. I mean, the guy's greatest. It's like, you know, we he's like the greatest singer we ever had. So, in my opinion, it's like it, I, I want him to stick around. You know, I want him to be omnipresent. Um, I'm cool with it because I like all the live stuff that's coming out because really, other than the stuff that came out, there wasn't a whole lot in the past, you know, especially from the years with Vivian Campbell. Right. It's like there wasn't much live stuff. And now we've got the Donington one. Right, right. And there was like, and I, I, I worked on the one with uh, Warner Brothers, the Holy Diver. Um, yeah, the, yeah. Anniversary. And there was a lot of bone stuff in that. I mean, I, I mean, of, of course, there's songs. I, I mean, I know what the Holy Grail is. I know that everybody wants new music, like things that he worked on with some, you know, either Vivian or with Doug or somebody, you know, or Craig and that nobody's ever heard. You know, I know that's what the Holy Grail is. And I, I don't I don't really know much about that other than what I've read. I've never talked to Wendy about any of that stuff. So, I, I mean, I don't I hope there is something. I mean, I'm just I'm as big a fan as anybody else. I hope it's out there. So, I mean, I know that's what the Holy Grail is, but, you know, but even all the other stuff, it's like, you know, the Holy Diver stuff had, there was a lot of bonus stuff in there that Warner Brothers packaged in there. And I know it's songs that we've all heard before, but not from those shows. And like, you know, there was other stuff. And for now, that's, it's all we can, it's all we really have. You know what I mean? It's, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't think Tony Iommi has stuff laying around that he did with Ronnie, like when they were in heaven and hell. I don't, I haven't heard of any of that. I mean, that'd be sick, you know, the year if they were like started other stuff that didn't make it onto the album i don't know but yeah i'm with you out of the recent like dio stuff is there a favorite like piece of yours that you've done i think maybe uh i'm trying to think you know which one you know which one is like it was, it was sort of like all me was the uh, and this wasn't murray it was um the very beast of volume two it had like that demon like walking forward yeah like, that, like i'm a big demon guy i love drawing and painting demons <laughs> 
that was that was one of my I, I you know it's very rare that i like anything i do and there's always like oh man i could have made this better but but that one i kind of dig like i like that creature like it came out pretty cool and so yeah and i like the killing the dragon one like i thought you know I, I, that was fun finally getting to do that and what else? And, oh and i did the I, I, dude i have to sit there sit here and kind of remember what i did the evil divine one that was fun to do where he's fighting that he's fighting like the devil in the sky over New York City. Yeah, I was just gonna pull that out because there's something in here. Like I was saying, I was gonna fanboy out this thing. If you can see it, it's really dark, but it's like a skeleton holding a baby skeleton. Right. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a Madonna and child, but she's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. That has absolutely nothing to do with anything that's deal related. I just thought it would look cool. So I, you know, I had this idea. <laughs> yeah. And the labels, you know, they're really cool. They're just so, you know, they, they can decline. You know, I said, hey, here's the thing. What do you think of this? And they're like, it looks sick. Let's just use it, you know? And I, I don't, it just, it made me, like, I just was thinking, like, what's evil and what's divine? Like a mother and a child. Like, you know, I just, I don't know. It just kind of came to me. So I started sketching it out. And I'm like, you know, this would be sick. I don't, it doesn't really, it doesn't have anything to do with deal, but maybe the fans will dig it. You know what I mean? Maybe they, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. You know, maybe they're sick, sick of looking at Murray. And then, I, and then it has the other one in there. Is that the same one too, right? Where it's, there's, there's, they, you could flip them. One's yeah, an angel. there's another one. Yeah, like uh, the thing like this, where it's like yeah, that was like gayful. I think it's gigantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun to do. Yeah, that was fun. I like when I. That's why I love being able to design albums because you know I can just kind of do stuff like that. If the you know, a lot of times the labels down, you know, they're like, yeah, go, go crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> so which is really really cool. I, I think feel it, like a kid in a candy store or something. And I think it helps too that like there's no. Uh, you know, Wendy's game for anything. Maybe if Ronnie was alive, he'd be like, this is shit. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't even know, you know. I mean, if he was alive, I may not even be painting covers. He might have said, like, yeah, those two are fine. Let's get somebody else now. I mean, who knows? So, you know, I'll never know. And some of the stuff that I'm doing, he might have been like, no, this is too dark. We're not using this. I don't know. You know, Wendy Wendy sort of speaks for him. And, you know, she, no, no, it's fine. You know, no, Ronnie would love it. I'm like, okay, Wendy, if you say so. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're like a kid in a candy store because it's like that was your that was your icon back then. And now it's like you're doing all this stuff. It's really fun. It's it's really fun to do. I mean, I, there's when I was working on those, I'm like, wow, man, this is awesome because I can't believe they're letting me, like, just design whatever I want and draw whatever I want. And, you know, I could have hired somebody, too. I could, you know, I thought about that. Maybe I should get somebody that I love. You know what I mean? To do some of the artwork in here. But you get greedy. You know, you're sort of like, I'm having so much fun. It's like, do I really want to like delegate this to somebody else when I could sit here and do it? I'm like, nah, I'm going to draw this. It'll be fun, you know? I do have another one to pull up that I thought's really cool. I've only got it as a picture disc, but you did like the all the faces of all the people that did tribute. I think there's like 36 people or something I had to paint. That was a sick job, man. And I, you know, that was I, I just I just totally donated my time for that. That was something that we did together. It was it was really tough. I remember Wendy calling me. That was like 2000. I want to say 14, maybe. That was a while ago. I remember Wendy calling me. She told me what was going to be happening. I was like freaking out because she told me Metallica was going to do like a medley. I was like, holy shit. This is like really early on. I was tripping. And um, and she's like, you know, can you come up with something? But she's like, I don't know how you're going to do this. Like, I don't know how, how what you're going to do. And she was but I want you to use Murray and see if you can. And I said, all right. So, you know, I started thinking, like, how am I going to get, like, everybody, like, how am I going to do this? Like, I can't just show, you know, I, I was thinking maybe just the logos, you know, Murray, maybe where, I, I think I did one design, Murray was wearing a concert shirt and drinking a beer, and he had, like, every band's logo on the shirt, you know what I mean? And and I was thinking, like, you know, maybe, like, one of the uh, one of the war vests with all patches of the bands, like, I had all these ideas, and then all of a sudden, I just thought, holy shit, you know what I should do? Like, have all these guys, like, rushing into battle, like, to fight cancer. I'm like, everybody. <laughs> be running towards can like towards the camera and they're like fighting can like they're into going into battle but they're fighting against cancer it's really corny but i'm like you know it might be sick nobody's ever done that i've never seen anybody do like a painting of all these people like running into battle i'll give everybody weapons i'm like <laughs> i'm like what do you think of this idea and she goes oh my god i love it it'd be awesome and i'm, I'm like all right i'm gonna try and sketch it out like i'm like but it's a lot of work i'm like let me see i'll try i'll try and sketch it out as best i can and you know warner brothers was involved too and she presented it to warner brothers they they were like yeah go for it like i think they said something like you know if he wants to do all that then yeah let him do it and it was sick it was it took that was a massive job and what 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 really sucked about it was that um we had to get approval from every photographer whose photograph i was going to use as reference but like what i did a lot was i combined like i think for headfield I used like three or four different pictures of him, like one of him wearing glasses, one of the hairstyle that I wanted him to have, one of him screaming. And so like we still had to reach out to like all the photographers. And 
because we were crushed for time, I would start drawing and painting before we had final approval for some of these guys. And some of these guys came back and they were like, no, we can't use the photograph. And I was like, holy shit. I, the, the, the portrait was already done. I had to start over, like completely. I think that happened like six times. I think oh, like with, oh my God, the bass player from Deep Purple, Ronnie's friend. I, I, he's, the hell is that? He's on the back cover. I'm the singer and bass player for Deep Purple. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, is that Roger Glover or no, um, um, Glenn Hughes? Glenn Hughes, God almighty. Yeah. When I do that, so like Glenn and a few other guys that we didn't get approval, and I had already painted those guys, and then I had to like start over, and like nobody knows that behind the scenes. But I was like pulling my hair out. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, how many times I'm gonna paint these guys? But it all came together in the end. It was it worked out pretty good. Um, it was it was it was very tough trying to figure out who's in the front, who's not, like you know, I hated having to be able having to do that because I didn't want it to be like a popularity contest. But I knew like the only two women on the album were really Doro and Lizzie. So I'm like, they have to be in the front. Like I put one on the back and one on the front, and so like that was easy. And then I, I I did pick Scott Ian for the front also because at the time he had like a he had like a show that I used to watch on YouTube because he's really into the same shit that I'm into like monster makeup and all that stuff. And I forgot exactly what it was called something bloody disgusting maybe or something. So I gave him a chainsaw and I put the logo on the side. I'm like, well, if he's got a chainsaw, that's got to be in the foreground because you want to come forward. It was a massive project. It took a long time. It finally it came together at the end and it was really successful. The gala that she threw was really awesome. All these people performed. Lizzie performed. Corey Taylor performed. Scotty and they were all there. We, I flew out there for it. It was really, really cool to see all those guys. Ripper was there singing. Rob was like the guest of honor. He was like sitting at the main table. That was pretty sick. Yeah, it was a really cool night. And it was, it was, it was a cool project. It all came together pretty well. So you just did that with paint, like a paintbrush? No, I did it. I painted it on the computer. I started off with a pencil drawing. You know what I mean? What I did was I used photographs of all the people for their faces, and then I just made up the bodies. So I would find like people yelling and screaming or combine photos. Yeah. If I couldn't find anything, I would ask Wendy to reach out to like certain artists and say, hey, can you tell them to take a picture of themselves? I sent, I made like a little a diagram on how to, because, you know, if you hold your iPhone too close, everything gets distorted. So I would tell them like, you know, keep your phone further away and just, you know, make sure the light is flat. I'll take care of the shadows and like, you know, yell or you know, scream or just like <laughs> give me a face. And so, you know, some there was some artists that I had to do that I just couldn't find what I needed. And then um, they were nice enough to donate their photos and um, sent, and Wendy would send them to me. And then the bodies I just made up. I just drew all the bodies of people doing whatever. Because um, nobody's like obviously running with swords and like chainsaws. And stuff like that. So just I would just use their heads and then I would make up the body. And I just drew it and then I painted everything right in the computer. I just sat there and painted it in Photoshop and um, on my uh, on my Wacom tablet. Man, that is amazing work. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, yeah I read somewhere somebody was like, oh, this is like a shitty photoshop illustration and i'm like no dude that's not a photoshop illustration i painted it you know? <laughs> kind of, I, I couldn't i felt bad because i'm like no no that's not like a hacky photoshop thing like i drew and painted every one of those guys still a big like music collector not you know i don't really i don't buy vinyls and all that kind of stuff really i i listen to all my music online like on apple music or whatever honestly it's weird like i used to buy tons of stuff and i just find like now it's just, like there's i have piles of crap all over my studio plus whatever i do the label sends me or the artist send me and everything it, just, it was just getting to the point where it just had it was just, everything's building up so I don't really buy it. So every once in a while, maybe I'll get something that's special, but I really, I'm not a big collector um, and I have nothing against it other than it's just like, it, it was just cluttering up my, my work, my studio. And I, I started, you know, as you get older, I'm like, what am I going to do with all this shit? All these books and all these magazines, I have kerangs from back in the early eighties. I'm like, what am I going to do with all this shit? You know what I mean, like you start to get to a point where like, you know, you buy, you collect it and then you're like, oh, I'm going to do something with it. And then you start to get older and you're like, I'm not doing anything with it. It's just literally sitting here with like a pile of dust on it. And so I kind of stopped, you know, I just stopped buying stuff and I listen, I, I listen to tons of new music constantly all week long, but I just listen to it, you know, on my headphones, on my phone or on my computer or whatever. The thing about like thing, and I'm not, I'm not promoting Apple in any way, but the thing about like Apple music and these other platforms is that uh, they build like a profile. So like, you know, Apple Music knows I love like thrash and speed metal. So it's constantly recommending bands to me. And I'm like, guys, man, I'll check them out. And I, I've discovered like some awesome thrash bands that I never heard of that I'm huge fans of now that I listen to constantly just because of that kind of stuff. It is. Yeah, it is good for that because it constantly like I have Apple. So it's constantly like refreshing. Like you listen to Kill 'Em All. So you'll like this. 
it reminds me of like the days when I was a kid and we used to tape trade with other guys at record stores and stuff. And they'd be like, oh, dude, you don't know what Mercial Fate is? You got to check out Mercial Fate. You know what I mean? And it's sort of like now Apple Music and these other platforms, they do it for you. And, you know, and the cool thing is you're not, if you don't like it, you're like, all right, you know, like this isn't for me. And at least you didn't spend money on it. And I get it. It sucks for the artist. Believe me, I'm in their corner, man. They're not making shit. It really sucks. The consumer, it's great for, but for the artists themselves, it sucks for them. They're not making shit. I mean, I'm friends with all these guys. There's tons of musicians. They talk about it all the time, you know, all the time. One, one of my best friends is Sean Peck. He's a singer for Cage and Dennis Sherman and Death Dealer. And we were just talking about it yesterday. And he, like, he, he's like one of the few guys that really breaks it down into dollars and cents for me. And when he, when he explains like how little there is to be made for just like regular bands, I'm not talking about Metallica and like the big bands. I'm talking mm -hmm. about like these tier bands. I mean, it's, it's a joke. It's a joke. It really, it sucks for them. It really sucks. I don't, I don't, you know, you see tours getting canceled left and right between the cost of living and these guys just not being able to make the money that they used to. It sucks. It really sucks. Or for a while, yeah. Like, was it last year or the year before when they first started touring again? Everybody was back out, so there was a bus shortage too. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, that's right. And a vinyl shortage. Like that, yeah. that was like a lot of like when I was working for BMG, I was constantly hearing from them. No, we we got it. The vinyls all had to be ordered super early because they were completely backed up. Because I guess they couldn't get vinyl during COVID, and so everything was like sort of back ordered, right? I guess that's one of the reasons Metallica probably bought their own vinyl plant, right? But yeah, so all these things, like all these trickle down effects from COVID and everything else that nobody really thought of, you know, was affecting the industry and like, you know, things like streaming that seemed great to the consumers, like killing the musicians, you know, they're not making shit. And that's why everybody, like everybody's making money off merch. Like merch is like where bands are trying to make a lot of their money now, you know, selling so pre-sale, pre-sales, you know what I mean? That, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll put, they'll make something, get it on there so they can get a ton of money to fund what they have to do before it actually gets produced and sent out. And it's fine. It's not like, you know, they're not doing anything underhanded. It's totally fine. But it's like, that's where it seems like, you know, there's it's it's in the merch. And now vinyl's making a comeback. But again, like, you know, it's cool if you can offer them something a little new. I got another question that just kind of came up. Like, I had a couple written down, but then you were talking about, like, Metallica. Are you a fan of the new album that they put out this year? Um, I, I, I like it a lot. You know, I, I should say, I like it. For me, I want every song to sound like Dire Z, Damage Incorporated, you know, you know, Battery. I'm never going to get that. You know, that that's my favorite, favorite part of Metallica's music. It's got some great songs on there, and then there's some songs that I'm not I'm not a huge fan of. What did you think of it? I have been doing something the last couple of years with two of my buddies, and like we would get together because concerts were canceled. So we got together and kind of had our own little parties, like the Metallica streaming thing that they did. We got together and streamed that together. Yeah, and that's when they put out the new album just in the spring, we got together and had a listening party and had pizza and kicked back and listened to it. And uh, What's the consensus between you and your friends when you listen to it? They really liked it. I kind of felt like the back end was better. Like it took a little bit to get going. And I loved like the last, like, or I guess it's two LPs. Like, so I like the second one more than the first. Oh, oh you listen to it final. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Like I love Luxie Turner. That reminded me of something from back in like the new wave British heavy metal days. Like yeah. that, I loved it. That was the first thing they let, they brought out of the gate. I was like, Oh, this is sick. Seventy-two seasons, I like. I mean, there's a room with mirrors, I like. Minimarat um, is fine; it's good, it's cool, you know. And there's a couple that just, you know, that I'm not super crazy about, but that's okay. It doesn't, you know what I mean? That happens. There's, yeah. there's you know, it's it's very rare you're going to get a Back in Black or a Master of Puppets or where every song's a home run. You know what I mean, dude? Honestly, I'm just happy they're producing music. I'm happy they're out there touring. James sounds better than ever. He sounds great. His, vo his voice sounds awesome. Yeah. They're playing great. I mean, they're still kicking ass, and you know that's. Man, that's all we can ask for at this point, because there's there's very few new bands coming up that like when when I was young, when they were just constantly popping up left and right. There's very few. I know people love Greta Van Fleet and some of these newer bands. We just you know, there's just not enough, man. I wish there were more like heavy, younger bands that are that are gaining traction. I think maybe part of the problem is like a lot of the bands, the vocals now are so extreme that it's hard to reach like a what it's harder for them to cross over to like a wider audience, like the way bands like Metallica did. So like, I, you know, I don't know, that's could be one of the reasons, 
But um, again, I, I I would love to see more younger heavy bands just break big. You know what I mean? So that in the coming years we have more bands like this, you know, promote the kind of music we love, but that are that are going to be around for a long time. You know? Are you a fan of Ghost then? Because they kind of got the imagery. Yeah, I like. I, um, okay, so I, I like Ghost in the beginning. Uh, I love their imagery. I love every. I love all that stuff. Uh, the music's a little poppy for me. I mean, I don't have a problem with them. It's just it's a little poppy for me. You know, um, yeah. I thought I, I love the first record, and you know, um, there there was like an EP that they put out maybe after the second record had some good stuff on it. And again, like every album comes out, there'll be a couple songs on it that I think are pretty cool, and then there's a couple songs that are like really poppy. You know, I'm just I'm into the heavier, faster stuff. Yeah, I actually I think, do like the poppier stuff. Like the more poppy they get, I think it's kind of funny. Hey, you like that? Yeah, <laughs> they're huge. They're yeah. huge. And you know, I can't argue with their success. They found like a, a niche. And like the young generation, like loves them. One of my uh, one of my wife's best friends, who's also a close friend of mine, her boyfriend's daughters were going. I think last week somewhere in Connecticut they were playing, and I was like, cool, like you know, that's cool. I see yeah. kids with death paint on their face going to see ghosts and everything. I'm like, right on. I love it. You know what I mean? I have nothing against them. It's just I I don't I, I just don't gravitate to their music that much. I listen to it once in a while, yeah. but um, you know, every album that comes out, I check out. I listen to it to see what it's like. But um, yeah, man, we need more of that. You know what I mean? We need more. So being in New York, like, like what about pizza? Like, what kind of never had New York pizza? Isn't it like the thin? It's like really thin, but then like the crust yeah. is almost like a handle. I guess it's funny. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess you could describe it that way. We have that, and we have that's like just uh, traditional like plain slice, and then we have Sicilian sliced pizza, which are thick. It's almost more like a deep dish, cut in squares. Yeah, I just had pizza tonight for dinner. <laughs> I have a pizza. We have a pizza around the corner of my development where I live. Uh, that makes really good pizza. Um, and so, yeah, pizza is like a big deal here in New York. And it's funny, we have, um, I guess, the really famous one here in New York City is John's Pizza. Hmm. Um, I, You know, it's like supposedly the best pizza in New York. And I guess Barstool really rated it high, too. I haven't been in there in years. Like, I walk past it all the time when I'm in the city. It's on Bleecker. But I, 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 for some reason, I just never stopped in there. And I haven't been there in a long time. And I had relatives that went like two weeks ago. I told them where it was. They went down and they started sending me pictures and they were talking to one of the owners and they were like, do you know this place is owned by the guy's name is John Sasso? And I was like, no. And they're like, there's Sasso. All of this is Sasso pie. There's Sasso like um, soccer jerseys. And they were sending me pictures. I didn't even know that. It's pretty bizarre, right? And I was like, I get next time. I, next time I'm not going to walk by. I'm going to go in and introduce myself and just talk to the guy. Um, I doubt I'm related to him. I don't think I am, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to conversation it's pretty trippy but that's one of the best pizzerias in new york john's pizza if you are related to him you should team up and have like a heavy metal like pizzeria make a metal pizza deal pizza yeah man <laughs> so here's something silly are you like a pineapple on pizza or like is that no oh you know like when i used to live in la we used to go to california do you have a california pizza kitchen where you are i don't think we have one here but we've got the frozen pizzas and i like that so, oh, you know what they are, right? So, in, when I when I moved when I first moved to LA, that was like a massive. It probably still is a massive franchise. And there was one like right around the corner from my townhouse, and my wife and I used to go there all the time. And they had the craziest shit on there. They had pineapple pizza, it was a Hawaiian pizza. And no, man, I'm not. I'm, I'm open to anything. You know, I'm 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 not one of those guys that's like closed minded. I'll try anything. So I used to get we used to get um, BLT pizza was like our big favorite, and they had a carne asada pizza that we oh, used damn. to. Yeah, we used to try all that stuff. I'll, you know, I'll taste anything, man. I'm, I'm totally open-minded. I, I, I love all that stuff. I'm not like one of those, like, no, no, I should just be cheese. Like, I don't give a shit, man. Once it tastes good, that's all I care about. Yeah. I really appreciate you talking to me tonight. I don't want to keep you more than an hour or whatever, because I guess we're going for like an hour. But I've got like one last thing that I want to ask about. I grew up as a wrestling fan, and so it's like you even designed some like wrestling stuff. Like, how did that come about? WWE is, is their headquarters are near me. Um, they're like minutes for me. And um, they recruited me a couple of years ago, right before COVID, to work there as an art director. Um, so I started there just freelancing, full-time freelance. And that's how all that started. I had never um, I had never worked there before. I, was, I, I have nothing against wrestling. I just wasn't like a big wrestling guy. I didn't know too much about it. I walked in there and like three quarters of the art department were, were into metal. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was like walking around uh, with this one designer, Rodney had like a motorhead flag up in his, I'm like, holy shit, merciful fate, like little action figure. And all these guys were into metal. I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And, you know, and I, and I sort of like, you know, fell in love with all the people that worked there. They were really cool people. So I worked there for a while and then COVID hit. And um, then we were, I worked from home for a little while and now I just freelance for them. I do, you know, uh, I've been doing, I guess, um, Drew McIntyre stuff for them. A lot of painted stuff for Drew McIntyre, I okay. guess, because he's a Klansman sort of type of thing. Yeah. But yeah. And so, yeah, I got to design like a bunch of shirts and a bunch of stuff when I was there. It was a really interesting place to work. It was a lot of fun. I hadn't worked on staff anywhere in quite a while. So it was it was a big change for me, but it was it was pretty cool. It was cool to, you know, be able to socialize. And that, that place is great, man. There's some really talented people there doing some really cool stuff. It's kind of like my like style of drawing is like, I guess, because I grew up with comic books and pro wrestling. So anytime I tried to draw something, everybody had like thick necks or thick neck muscles, because I guess I'm used to drawing all these like big like muscle dudes. Right, and right, so right. like, like, I kind of felt like, well, none of my stuff looks realistic. They'll look cartoonish. And then kind of where I'm going with this is finally when I saw your stuff, you kind of have that mix of almost the metal and like the big like, you know, uh, yeah. yeah well like you yeah. i grew up to i mean ever since i was a little kid i loved drawing like superheroes and yeah. guys and like i said i grew up on frank frazetta like he was my idol growing up i mean i remember for my confirmation when i was like 12 i got all his art my mother bought me all his art books like what do you want for confirmation i was just like artist i saw in walden books and like you know i told her about it and she like i got frank the fantastic art of frank frazetta like one through four and that was like my Bible. I mean, I still have them. They're literally like, they're turning to dust. Because like, when I was a kid, I used to just look at them over and over and draw from them. And like, it just blew my mind. And I used to collect comic books when I was a kid. Because, you know, like John Buscema would draw Kone. He was like, fucking incredible. You know what I mean? And I used to love that stuff. And I would just sit there and copy, probably like you did when you yeah. were young, make copy comic books. And, you know, and it's funny that I never got into wrestling because they're basically like superheroes you know, like beating the shit out of each other on TV. It's like watching superheroes fight, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. I know. I always think about, I'm like, how did I not get into wrestling? I, you know, I think a lot of times, but maybe not in your case, but a lot of times what happens is like the fathers are into it and then the son gets into it or they watch it with the uncles. It becomes like a family thing. My dad wasn't, nobody in my family was into wrestling. I wasn't even exposed to it. But um, it is, it, it, it's surprising that I wasn't. But like you, man, I drew, like, I love comic books. I still, I still, I, I just, I was just reading like this, today while I was having my lunch, I was reading the new issue of Conan. You know, they just like re relaunched Conan the Barbarian. I was like reading while I was eating my lunch today. I still read comic books. I read them online now. It's mostly because I can make it huge. As you get older, your eyes really start to fucking shit the bed. And so I can make them huge and they're backlit and they're nice and bright. And if I love them, I could screenshot them and throw them in a folder, you know. But um, so I mostly read all my comics online now. I do I do buy some comics. I have a comic book store near here that I still buy stuff from. But um, I mostly read them online. Are you a comic book guy? Do you like to read comic books? I don't really read them like I used to. But I guess when I was a kid, it was so infrequent because like my grandma would get them for me. So I never had like a series of issues. I would have like random ones. And yeah. I just sat there and I didn't really read them. I just kind of tried to draw the art from it. Right. Yeah, yeah it was. It was always tough when you sort of like would get them like haphazardly because the cover would be sick and then you'd open it and realize, oh, wait, this is I'm in the middle of a story. I have no idea what's going on right now. Yeah. It happened a lot, you know, because my mother would take me like to the five and ten, like she had to pick up a prescription or get something. And while I was in there, they'd have that comic book rack, you know, and it was like all these random comics. And I oh, this looks good. This looks good. And I get so excited to go home and read it. And then I realize I have no idea what the fuck is going on because they're in the middle of the story, yeah. you know. And it would like kind of kill everything, but that, but then I would like draw from it, you know, and use it to like draw from. <laughs> it's funny. I haven't done comic work in a really long time, but when I did do it, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, so. there was even something on your website that I saw. I think you did a Magneto like trading card, and that's on your website. And I saw that, and I was like, oh my god, I think I had that when I was like twelve years old. I get emails and like comments on an Instagram all the time that say, Oh my God, I had this card. And cause I did, I did a lot of them back in the nineties. I, I, I don't know how many I did. I did a ton of them. And so um, sometimes I'll post them or sometimes you know, somebody will just write me and be, or I get like, just like last week, a few of them, like people reach out to me and say, Hey, can, if I send you some cards, will you sign them? And I'm like, yeah, just send them to me. Just, you know, send them in a self-addressed stamped envelope. And they do. And I just, last week I just put a package in the mail for some guy. I had a bunch of them for his kid. So yeah, they they keep popping up. It was like one of those things that I did that just constantly. They I think I think the, um, they get rediscovered by yeah. fans that like young kids, and then like you know what I mean, or the fathers will show them to their sons, and they get rediscovered. I did I I I actually I did do a bunch last year 
for upper deck, a bunch of like Wolverine parts. I don't think they came out yet. It was like the first time that I think I did 10, there was 10 of them. I did 10, like Wolverine, Cyclops, a bunch of all the X-Men characters. I did a bunch of them last year that haven't come out yet, but that was like the first time I did comic book work in a while, but it's cool. It's always cool to go back to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would, I, you know, I wouldn't mind getting back. And there's like so many, you know, it's just like, there's just only so much time in the day. So many people to reach out to. It's like, and, and when you do what I do, a lot of times you have to go after the work. You can't just wait for it to come to you. So, you know, it gets kind of hard to like go after everybody, go after Metallica, go after Iron Maiden, go to Marvel, go to like, you know what I mean? Sometimes it just gets busted constantly reaching out. But, you know, I, I need to be a little, um, maybe a little better at that. All right, Mark, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to me tonight because this was awesome. Thank you for asking me. It's cool. I'll probably post it closer to the Dio documentary that's coming out in a couple of weeks. Oh, was that on Blu-ray, you mean? Yeah, I, th- I haven't even watched it yet. Oh, I went to the theater to see it. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. It would kind of bum me out because they, the filmmakers had reached, had reached out to me. Wendy had said, you should get Mark in there. And right, it was right before COVID. Damien, I think, is the director's name. He sent me an email and he was like, listen, we'd like to interview you, Wendy was, you know, and I was like, oh, shit, I would love to be in. I knew BMG was doing it because I was working on all the deal stuff. And so they had told me they'd do it. They were doing it. I was really psyched. I was like, oh, man, I would love to be in that and talk about how much I love Ronnie. And then COVID hit. And then when I reached back out to him, hey, whatever happened? He goes, oh, dude, we're done. Like, we did everything. And Oh, shit. And he goes, because of COVID, we had to, you know, change stuff around. And he said, plus, we already went to L.A. And I said, yeah, but I'm in New York. And he goes, oh, I thought you were an L.A. guy because <laughs> they're in Philly. And I'm like, no, I'm in New York. He's like, oh, shit, we could have just drove up. Oh, God. But oh, whatever. Damn. It would have been cool. It would have been cool. Just only because I just, you know, I would love to be part of that because I, I have, you know, I have Dio so near and dear to me. But um, it was actually a really good documentary. It was really, it was really touching, man. Like, it, it kind of bummed me out. Like, the ending is very, very sad. And I didn't expect that. Like, me and my, I saw what a bunch of my buddies, we went here in new york city bummed me out like pulled at my pulled at my heartstrings you know oh damn i remember the day i was standing on a baseball field coaching one of coaching one of my sons literally like that first base coaching first base and my phone i feel my phone go off and i just and one of my best friends just wrote me he goes oh dude i'm so sorry to hear about dio and i was just like oh i knew right there you know what i mean and i had just talked to him like three weeks before that i had sent him an email just to send him some love and I'm like, hey, I'll be doing good. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm feeling okay. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to get my strength back and stuff. And I said something like, I wish I was still in LA. We can go to lunch or whatever. And I, and I thought like, you know, it seemed like everything, oh, great, it's going to be okay. You know what I mean? And then like three weeks later, he just passed away. And I was I was not prepared for that. I was totally devastated. Totally devastated. I remember just like, I couldn't concentrate the rest of the day. I was like so bummed out, man. Like, you know, man, you'll, you grow up with these guys, like even Eddie Van Halen, like, you know, you grow up with these dudes and it's like, especially when they pass away young you're just like it It takes like a chunk out of you you know what i mean oh, like yeah. like if, if god forbid anything ever happens to rob like halford or like yeah fuck man <laughs> you know like i love rob you know and i and he's like one of my favorite singers of all time him and ronnie and like that'll be a killer and you know guys like headfield like you know i just really that kind of shit just like it, some of us it just kicks our ass because we grew up with these guys these guys are like my heroes growing up you know so it was, it's it, it really it really sucks it really sucks Hey, let's end on a happy note, huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks thanks a lot. I appreciate you asking me to talk. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you, dude. It was awesome. Yeah, good. Thanks a lot. And good luck to you, man. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll talk again sometime in the future. I don't know, you know, what, what what's going on with you, but I hope everything works out for you. I hope this is successful for you. Hope your podcast takes off. Thank you. Well, this is actually, um, I've been doing it. Uh, for four years with a buddy of mine and like we started like reviewing like new releases and then it was like 2019 and around the time where the pandemic kind of hit and everybody's at home I was like like I think I kind of want to jump in and do some like interviews because I know some musicians and maybe I'll just talk to them while everybody's at home I looked and you're like my 50th solo episode oh wow holy shit you've done a lot of them I started out doing like one a month take me quite a while to get to 50 but I mean yeah like that's, that's pretty good. You got a lot under your belt. Who would be like your holy grail for, for in the in the Dio camp that you would love to talk to if you can get anybody? Oh, man, I don't know. Well, actually, truthfully, to be honest, I have kind of a list of people who I was talking to and I've checked them off. And you're actually like one of the top on my bucket list. <laughs> Dude, you got to set the bar a little higher. <laughs> I'm just kidding around. I'm just kidding around. <laughs> 
<laughs> I should be at the bottom of the list. <laughs> um, he didn't do much with Dio, but I think Jeff Pilson would be cool to talk to because he did a couple albums and he did Dokken. He's done so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really interesting to talk to because he'd have a lot to offer. Yeah, I'm on, uh, probably all. And what about Rudy Sarzo? He'd be probably sick too, right? To talk to. He's got, I mean, he's been with like, geez, he's played with everybody. He'd be really um, yeah, good. Yeah, like White Snake and stuff and Ozzy, right? I think. That would be sick too. Yeah, all those guys, man, they have so, so much history, man. They've seen it all. They've seen it all. Well, hey, good luck to you, man. Well, thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Take care of yourself, okay?